Welcome to the Doc Washburn Show, the show that talks about what you actually care about. We stream live at noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central weekdays at DocWashburnShow.com. Minutes after each live stream is completed, the Doc Washburn Show podcast is available for download at your favorite podcast platforms. The Doc Washburn Show is on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at DocWashburnShow.com. The 90th episode of the all-new Doc Washburn Show is today. It's Thursday, February 17th, 2022. Coming up in just a moment, my tribute to Rush Limbaugh, who we lost a year ago today. But first, yes, I was fired by one of the biggest radio companies in America, Cumulus Media, simply because I refused their vaccine mandate. Yes, it's obvious the last U.S. presidential election was stolen. No, my old employer wouldn't allow me to say that on the radio. And yes, there's all kinds of evidence out there that a lot of people are having serious negative reactions to the vaccines. And yes, we must keep the January 6th political prisoners in our prayers. So this is a really different kind of talk show. We're unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. If you'd like to support what we do, go to our website, docwashburnshow.com, and click on the button that says Become a Patron. Now, I'm running for governor of Arkansas, running for the Republican nomination for governor of Arkansas. And if you would like to support that, the website is electdocwashburn.com. I first remember hearing about Rush Limbaugh when I was a top 40 DJ in Greenville, Spartanburg, South Carolina. And one of my co-workers, the production director, the guy who was in charge of getting commercials produced for the radio station, would come back from his lunch break every day just raving about how hilarious this guy named Rush Limbaugh was on AM radio. And this was 1989, 1990. And I remember thinking, Wait a minute, somebody still listens to AM radio? Now, AM radio was still a big deal in major markets. New York, Chicago, L.A., Atlanta. But in little old Greenville, Spartanburg, South Carolina, I'm like, wow, you're, you're, you're actually raving about a guy doing a talk show on an AM radio station in the upstate of South Carolina. Huh. How about that? So I eventually started listening to Rush Limbaugh myself. I guess it was about a year or so later when I was working uh, for Top 40 radio station in Fort Walter Beach, Florida. And our AM radio station, which had been carrying big band music, started carrying some talk shows. And I remember the first thing, because I wasn't, Used to that kind of radio. I feel so stupid admitting this now, but the first thing was he had such great bumper music, I wanted to hear the whole song. But I eventually started listening to what Rush said. And my testimonial about being a fan of the Rush Limbaugh show is quite different than most of the testimonials I've heard. And I'll tell you how. Most people who talk about what they experienced 
when they first heard Rush Limbaugh on the radio say something along the lines of, finally, I heard somebody on the radio who said what I believed. Finally, I heard somebody on the radio that I agreed with. Now, in my journey, I had come to the understanding that the Democrat Party, of course, was wrong about abortion, but I had no idea they were wrong about anything else. I mean, that was enough for me to be against them, that one issue. But I had no idea they were wrong about anything else. My father worked for the federal government. He worked for the IRS, and then he worked for the Labor Labor Department. And he passed away in the early 70s when I was a teenager of lung cancer, even though he never smoked. But when I got up every morning to get ready to go to high school, growing up in Charlotte, North Carolina, I would read the Charlotte Observer newspaper. I would read the editorials. And the editorials were mostly reprints of guys from the New York Times like uh, Scotty Reston and Tom Wicker and Anthony Lewis, and they were all liberals. And so I, I didn't I didn't know any better. Um, I remember in 1976 when Jimmy Carter was running for president, NBC News interviewed a pro-life Democrat who was running for president. You probably never heard of her. Her name was Ella McCormick. But she talked about the fact, and this was three years after Roe v. Wade, she talked about the fact that she was being silenced. She was being shut up by the Democrat Party, and NBC News didn't have her on for long. And... I knew she was telling the truth. I knew she was telling the truth. And that kind of got my attention. So anyway, by the time Rush Limbaugh comes along, I start hearing him in 89 or 90. As I said, I knew the Democrats were wrong about abortion. But I just had no idea they were wrong about anything else. So Rush Limbaugh was my school teacher. I learned so much from Rush. He was, uh, well, he's irreplaceable. And I don't know of anybody really doing talk radio and doing a good job of it. who has this job today, has his passion today, who wasn't influenced, not just influenced. I mean, Rush was the guy that charted the course for the rest of us. He was so much more than an influence. He's the guy who created the talk radio format. And, you know, whether I am on 
terrestrial talk radio, which I was for many, many years, most recently over seven years in Little Rock, Arkansas, or whether I'm doing a, a podcast, you know, a live stream that becomes a podcast. Either way, I'm following the course that Rush laid out. If I may use an analogy, I remember when Johnny Carson passed away and David Letterman did his uh, tribute to Johnny Carson and he said, all of us who do this, we, we all basically wanted to be Johnny. We all basically wanted to follow in his footsteps. And so, you know, I, I never wanted to be Rush But like hundreds of other talk radio hosts across the fruited plain, I certainly wanted to follow in his footsteps. Rush Limbaugh is a guy who explained to me, to you, to us, that the more power we let the government have, the less freedom you and I have. And more and more people are becoming aware of that as those in power try to take more freedom away from us. So uh, I'm thankful for the legacy of Rush Limbaugh. And uh, miss him every day. Miss him every day. And uh, we pray for his family, who is still grieving. I can see it sometimes in the words of his brother, David Limbaugh, who will say things on social media from time to time. I uh, never met Rush, never spoke with Rush, but I was blessed and honored to... uh, to have interviewed David Limbaugh about 20 years ago when he had a book out about Christians being persecuted. And what a great guy. What a great guy. All right, I've got a question here on the Podbean app. Um, somebody says, I checked last night, and the website still only allows checks for support. Talked about my candidacy for Republican nomination for governor. He says, if I have to send a check, who do I make the check out to? Thanks. And you make the check out to Doc Washburn for governor. Now, let me just say, <laughs> we're trying to get that donate button going. A week ago today, I applied at a local bank, and I will not name them. I applied at a local bank in Little Rock, Arkansas, a week ago today for a, uh, a bank account for our campaign for governor. And um, finally got a phone call yesterday morning, six days later. Hey, your, uh, your bank account for your campaign for governor has been approved. Oh, great. Okay, thank you. So... Yesterday, 
I went and deposited some donations to the bank account. Got home and was trying to uh, set up the donation button for the website, electdocwashburn.com. And it wanted uh, username and password for my online banking. And I said, oh, you know, I think I forgot to get that. So I went back over to the bank and applied for that. And they gave me a piece of paper showing me how to proceed so I can set up the donate button on electdocwashburn.com. Didn't get home till like 8 o'clock last night. And I went into, looked at the piece of paper, set up the donate button for electdocwashburn.com. And it said, okay, well, we'll uh, either call you or email you um, your username and password. And I looked at the email. There's no email. Checked my email this morning. There's no email. So I called the bank. And um, young lady I've been working with there said their, uh, their back office is working on it. And we should have it by close of business today. And uh, if we don't. You know, if it gets to be 5 o'clock to call her back. I said, okay, thanks so much. I have no idea why this is taking so long. I have no idea why this is taking so long. But it is, and I apologize for the inconvenience because we're getting so many messages and emails from people saying, can we please just, can you just, how hard would it be? I mean, could you just, <laughs> I wish. I wish. Could you just put a button on electdocwashburn.com so we can just go ahead and donate? And my answer is, well, theoretically, you know, I mean, eventually, they're now hoping that we can get it before close of business today. So, so yeah, we're trying. We're trying. So, a lot to talk about today. I want to share with you an article from the great Miranda Devine, the New York Post. And it is entitled, Christina Yuna Lee's Blood is on the Hands of Democrats. And if you haven't heard of this young woman, you're going to want to. Sorry, got to get some water here. A homeless career criminal with three open cases stalks a young woman forces his way into her Chinatown apartment in New York City, stabs her to death. And Democrats blame everything from Donald Trump to the end of child tax credits. Everything except their anti-cop, soft-on-crime policies that have caused the inevitable breakdown of law and order that led to the gruesome death of Christina Yuna Lee.
Her murder is every woman's worst nightmare. Her screams brought the police, but by the time they managed to break down her reinforced steel door, she was dead in her bathtub, stabbed 40 times. Surveillance footage shows suspected killer Asamad Nash loitering outside her apartment building when she returned home alone in a cab early Sunday and then coolly pushing open the door behind her before following her upstairs. He would never have been there that night if lawmakers in the state capital of Albany, New York, had not vandalized the bail laws in the year 2020. He should have been in jail. Nash reportedly has been arrested seven times since 2017 and has three open cases in Manhattan criminal court. He was already out on bail for an alleged subway assault when he was arrested again last month and charged with 27 counts of criminal mischief. Attempted escape and resisting arrest. Crimes that have been decriminalized by Alvin Bragg, the new progressive district attorney of Manhattan, New York City. You would think the Democrat women would show some empathy about Christina Yuna Lee's tragedy, but all White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki could do this week When asked about the rise in anti-Asian hate crime, up 339% nationwide last year, was fall back on her favorite scapegoat, former President Donald Trump. White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki. I spit her name out of my mouth. Echoing her previous comments when she blamed the prior administration for calling COVID the, the Wuhan virus, which led to perceptions that have elevated threats against Asian Americans, said, we've seen this rise, unfortunately, because of hate-filled rhetoric and language around the origins of the pandemic. Her excuse is absurd. Since everyone has seen, whether in surveillance footage or mugshots, that most perpetrators of assaults against Asians are black males not a demographic that traditionally takes its cues from former Republican presidents. But, but, oh, 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 I almost slipped. She put the word president in front of the word Biden. I'll never do that because he stole the election. But usurper Biden's spokesperson must live in a comfortable cocoon there in Washington, D.C., A few weeks ago in an interview pouring scorn on Fox News coverage of the nationwide crime wave, White House Press Secretary Jen Psaki said, soft on crime consequences. What does that even mean, right? What an idiot. Representative Alexandria Ocasio-Cortex was equally callous toward victims when she claimed that people commit crimes because they are too poor to buy baby formula. 
And the New Yorker magazine this week, AOC, was quoted as saying, we want to say these people are criminals or we want to talk about people who are violent. We don't want to say some of the things that are obvious, like, gee, the child tax credit just ran out and now people are stealing baby formula. But now that polls are turning against Democrats, these Weasley attempts to offload blame won't wash anymore. You can see the change in Biden as he comes up to Mayor Eric Adams, New York City, in an attempt to ally himself with new New York City Mayor Adams' more pro-cop, tough-on-crime stance. During a visit, no, 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 we're not going to call him the president. During a visit to NYPD headquarters last month, the usurper said the answer is not to defund the police. It's to give you the tools, the training, the funding to be partners, to be protectors. Biden vehemently denies ever supporting the defund the police crazies. But we remember him at the height of the George Floyd riots in 2020 when Biden was the the Democrat presidential candidate who railed against so-called systemic racism and police forces thus branding every cop a bad apple and making them all targets, he refused to disavow the defund the police movement. While even agreeing in an interview that some funding should absolutely be redirected away from police. A billion dollars was subsequently stripped from the NYPD budget. With cops demoralized and resigning in droves, Democrats are running a million miles away from what they wrought. The Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee reportedly now has suggested a new way for Democrats to deal with public concern over their ghastly policies. And that new way? Just lie. According to Politico, the committee is using polls and focus group research to train Democrat members of Congress to deny they want to defund the police or fling open the borders. Instead, they should reiterate their support for police and talk about their efforts to keep the border safe. The Democrat Congressional Campaign Committee says in its training materials, Democrats need to demonstrate they fully understand and care about stressors in people's lives. This is what Speaker Nancy Pelosi tries to do when she puts on her best saccharine smile for pliable news anchors and declares that defunding the police has never been the position of the Democrat Party. Uh, Oh, oh, I see. On ABC last weekend, Speaker Pelosi intoned with dripping insincerity, Public safety is our responsibility. Community safety to protect and defend in every way is our oath of office. Pelosi also attached herself to New York City 
Mayor Eric Adams, who has become a talisman for Democrats trying to backpedal away from their previous stance. But words are cheap. Words are cheap. Mayor Adams was given the cold shoulder this week when he went to Albany, New York, to beg colleagues for a small tweak of their bail reform laws to at least give judges discretion to detain a defendant with a history of violent crime. Senate Majority Leader Andrea Stewart-Cousins told WNYC Radio in an interview Wednesday that doing what Mayor Adams had asked would exacerbate a problem we're trying to alleviate. She said, we do not want to criminalize poverty. There's no connection between our bail reform and the national spike in crime. Oh, I see. But there's certainly a connection between their bail reform and the spike in crime in New York. She doesn't care. Anyway, Miranda Devine, New York Post, says what she says is not true. New York is one of the only jurisdictions in the nation that has stripped judges of discretion to detain people whom they perceive to be dangerous and the sharp rise of violent crime by recidivist criminals over the past year is a direct consequence, but this is the destructive ideology that has taken over the Democrat Party. No matter what Biden and Pelosi say in public, they're not willing to stand up against the leftist squad and their fellow travelers in Albany, New York. Victims like Christina Yuna Lee are just inconveniences, reminding them of their impotence. So, that's Miranda Devine in the New York Post. And the article is entitled, Christina Yuna Lee's Blood is on the Hands of Democrats. Amen. Amen. All right, a uh, couple of more, a uh, couple more comments on the Podbean app here. James Golden, otherwise known as Bo Snerdley, who was Russia's uh, producer for like thirty years, actually has a show on WABC Radio in New York City at three p.m. in the afternoon. I didn't realize. I knew he had a Saturday morning show on WABC. I didn't realize he had a uh, a weekday show. How about that? Another person says, "But because Bo Snurdly was just great, I loved it. The few times he actually got on the microphone with Rush, he was just great. I'll never forget it." He would have commentaries about Barack Obama. And he always said, this is Bo Snerdly, certified black enough to criticize Barack. See, because, you know, if any if anybody white would say anything about a Barack, liberals would say, oh, you're just a racist. You're just, 
You're just upset we have a black president. That's your problem. So what are they going to do with Bo Snardley, who was black? <laughs> he was great. So somebody here is asking, will you be interviewed on KARN like many of the candidates? I can't wait until you debate Sarah. You'll knock it out of the park. Okay, so that's two different issues. First of all, I would love to um, be interviewed on my old radio station, News Radio 1029 KRN. I haven't reached out to them yet. They haven't reached out to me yet. Uh, Maybe they're waiting for me to actually go ahead and pay the filing fee to run for governor. Deadline is March 1st. We've been overwhelmed by the response. And, of course, we're accepting more contributions at electdocwashburn.com. Now, the part where he says, I can't wait until you debate Sarah, you'll knock it out of the park. I would be surprised if Sarah Huckabee Sanders would agree to debate me. But, I mean, if she does, yeah, well, I'll be happy to. I'll be happy to. Somebody else says, I never called him the president either. I referred to him as the former vice president. Talking about Biden. Another comment here. It's all in the book, Rules for Radicals. Saul Alinsky. His mentor, Obama. Yep. Yep. No question. No question. Yeah, they 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 accuse you of doing what they're doing. And they learned it from Alinsky. I don't know if you realize, but um, Hillary Clinton and Barack Obama were both great admirers of Saul Alinsky. True story. Not even going to lie, fam. Hillary and Barack were both great admirers of Saul Alinsky. All right, um, I will say this. We, uh, we're thankful. We're so thankful for our advertisers, for supporting us. Of course, the views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washburn Show do not necessarily reflect our advertisers, but we love them and they love us. So let me mention a couple of them here real quickly. If you tried to buy a car recently, car, truck, van, SUV, for that matter, you may have come into contact with the reality that there's such a chip shortage, you're having a hard time finding what you're looking for. I know folks who've actually bought vehicles from hundreds of miles away from where they live. That's where Red River Your Way comes in. Red River Your Way is a big old car dealership in the middle of the USA that believes in freedom, including the freedom to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV the way you want to. You can buy online. They'll drive it to you no matter where you are in the continental U.S. Red River Your Way wants to make your car buying experience as easy and transparent as possible. 
That's why they've added technology to their website that puts you in complete control of your payment options and allows you to complete the entire purchase process online. But don't worry, Red River experts are still here to help you every step of the way if you have any questions. Red River makes it so easy. As you browse their selection, you'll see each vehicle has a button that says Explore Payment Options. Clicking that button guides you through a few easy questions that then create personalized payment options you have complete control over. All you have to do is adjust your preferences, and all the math happens automatically so you can figure out what monthly payment works best for your budget. Red River Your Way makes car buying online easy. Your whole car buying process is completely transparent. If you want to buy a car, truck, van, or SUV, order online from the nationwide car dealer that believes in freedom the dealer that will deliver your free, your vehicle to your front door anywhere in the continental U.S., no matter where you live. RedRiverYourWay.com, you'll be glad you did. And uh, I recently uh, was in an automobile accident. My uh, car was totaled, so I'm in the process of buying a car from Red River Your Way, and uh, they're taking good care of me. I appreciate you all. Mitch Ward and the crew at Red River, Red River Your Way. All right, now, going back to the concept of the government trying to shove stuff down our throats, that's what they did with Obamacare back in 2009. They called it the Affordable Care Act, but the question is, did the so-called Affordable Care Act make your health care more expensive? Does your health insurance premium feel like a second mortgage? Does your sky-high deductible prevent you from going to the doctor? Do your sky-high copays keep you from going to the doctor? Now, if you answered yes to any of these questions, There's a website you need to go to. It's called MyFamilyHealthPlan.com. When you click on MyFamilyHealthPlan.com, you see these big, bold letters, Affordable Plans. Oh, that's different. Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no co-pays. Big red button there says Schedule Call Now. Now, when you click on that button, you book a free consultation with my buddy Art Wilborn, who makes sure there are no gaps in your coverage, also makes sure that your personalized health coverage doesn't force you to cover awful stuff like abortion, which would violate your deeply held religious beliefs, like some of those Obamacare plans do. What a deal, what a deal, what a deal. The website, again, is myfamilyhealthplan.com, affordable plans, Save 30 to 50% on premiums, personalized health coverage, low to no deductible, no copays, big red button, schedule call now. You click on that, you book a free consultation with Art Wilborn, who will make sure there are no gaps in your coverage. Save money on your insurance with myfamilyhealthplan.com. All right, I am uh, I'm scheduled to be talking to a whole bunch of conservatives 
in Faulkner County. Let me see. Let me see. I need to get the, uh, (laughs) yeah, there it is. Today at 5 p.m., Larry's Pizza in Conway. Uh, They're going to give me a few minutes to uh, get up and talk about why I'm running for governor. So if you're in central Arkansas and you want to come hear me speak and you're as frustrated as I am, that there's still no donate button on electdocwashburn.com and you want to hand me a check, eh, there you go. 5 p.m. today, Thursday, the 17th of February at Larry's Pizza in Conway. Look forward to that. Look forward to that. All right, now. Pardon me. So much more. So much more to talk about. So, Dr. Peter McCullough, who was on with Joe Rogan a couple of months ago, and we hope to get him on the Doc Washburn Show too. The guy who tells the truth about the Wu flu and the vaccines and everybody. He said, why did Martin Koldorf part ways with Harvard with over 200 publications and FDA stellar record? He says, I have over 650 papers and together we surpass any of those in the government narrative because we both know something has gone very wrong in medical school and mainstream media portrayal of pandemic response. And he's got a screenshot of an article here. Looks like it might be from, yeah, it is from the Epoch Times. Dr. Martin Koldorf is one of the most qualified public health pandemic experts in the United States. But to the narrative shapers, he's a pariah. As a prominent epidemiologist and statistician, Dr. Kaldorf has worked on detecting and monitoring infectious disease outbreaks for two decades. His methods are widely used around the world by almost every state health department in the United States, as well as by hundreds of people at the Centers for Disease Control and Prevention, the CDC. Dr. Kaldorf has also worked on vaccine safety for decades, developing globally used methods for monitoring adverse reactions in new vaccines. His resume on the FDA website is 45 pages long and includes a list of 201 peer-reviewed published journal papers. His work has been cited more than 27,000 times. Since 2003, Dr. Koldorf worked at Harvard Medical School, first as an associate professor of population medicine and later as a professor of medicine. In November, Harvard and Koldorf abruptly parted ways. 
That's messed up. That's messed up. Now, that's the screenshot from Dr. McCullough. And it just dawned on me, you know, might be a good idea for me to go on over there to the uh, the Epic Times and see if we can get the rest of it. Because this is messed up. Okay. So they have a lot of articles about Dr. Kaldorf over there. Oh, I see. I see. Let me let me do it like this. You know, ever since I started running for governor, it has been like drinking water from a fire hose. <laughs> Every once in a while, when it gets real late at night, I have to remind myself, oh, yes, got to take a nap before we do it all over again. Interesting, interesting. I, I, I'm sorry, I can't find the rest of the article. But is it any wonder? Is it any wonder? that truth-tellers are being penalized. That's what's going on. Truth-tellers are being penalized. All right, let's look at this. This dropped just a couple hours ago, Josh Gerstein over at Politico. Justice Department files declaration from Secret Service agent handling security for Vice President-elect Kamala Harris on January 6, 2021, confirming she was not in the Capitol during the Capitol riot. Oh, the police riot, you mean? No real explanation on why the claim that she was in the Capitol, lingered. Huh. So the great Julie Kelly says, confirmation that Biden's DOJ inexplicably but repeatedly lied to a grand jury, federal judges, and defense counsel as to Kamala Harris's whereabouts to bolster thousands of misdemeanor charges. Quite the scandal and uh, props to Politico for actually covering it. How about that? Now, we had the article from Julie, Julie Kelly the other day about the pipe bombs and about the fact that there are only two possibilities, okay? Either the... Where'd it go? There it is. Either the Secret Service totally missed a 
plainly visible pipe bomb in front of the DNC headquarters. When they looked over everything before, before they let Kamala Harris anywhere near. Or the FBI is lying. One or the other. Why is it? Over a year later, nobody's been arrested for uh, planting the pipe bombs. What's that about? What's that about? Inquiring minds want to know. Yes. Anyway, that having been said, the great Victor Davis Hanson over at American Greatness today. Oh, my goodness. He's got a new article. It's called Hillary Clinton's Greatest Masterpiece. And I'll share it with you momentarily. You're listening to The Doc Washburn Show. We are unmasked, uncensored, and unfiltered. You can now listen live weekdays, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central Standard Time at DocWashburnShow.com. Podcast available at DocWashburnShow.com and for download at Spotify, iTunes, Apple, or wherever podcasts are available. We are on Twitter and Facebook. You can email us at contact at DocWashburnShow.com or call us at 866-609-3711. All right, thank you, Brian. Appreciate it. Great job. Let's take a look at this new column by Victor Davis Hanson at American Greatness, amgreatness.com. Hillary Clinton's greatest masterpiece, subtitled, Will the People Ever Learn How False Information Was Seeded? throughout the government and media in a conspiratorial effort to destroy a sitting president. And he says, Hillary Clinton's never-ending shenanigans in 2015-2016 could be summarized as an attempted slow-motion coup. Four years of national hysteria, a divided nation, and dangerous new tensions with Russia were some of the wages of Clinton's machinations. Hillary Clinton hired a British national and ex-spy, Christopher Steele, to compile dirt on her election opponent, Donald Trump. She did her likely, oh, she hid her likely illegal campaign payments to him through at least three paywalls, the DNC, the Perkins Coie Law Firm, and the opposition research firm, Fusion GPS. Partisans in the FBI helped her by variously spying on minor officials affiliated with the Trump campaign, like George Papadopoulos and Carter Page. To expedite its improper surveillance, a corrupt FBI hierarchy presented fraudulent documents to a FISA court that authorized the illicit surveillance. Hillary's orbit of Former subordinates and friends seeded the lies in the dossier through the Department of Justice, the FBI, and the CIA. During the Trump administration, the FBI also tapped into the communications of National Security Advisor-designate General Michael Flynn. 
the illegally leaked surveillance put an end to his service to the Trump administration and ruined his life. By the way, just so you know, um, General Flynn has endorsed Colonel Conrad Reynolds, who is uh, challenging the Rhino French Hill for U.S. House of Representatives, 2nd District of Arkansas, just so you know. The country went through 22 months and $40 million in legal expenses under special counsel Robert Mueller to investigate the Hillary Clinton-inspired Russian collusion hoax. When it was all over, Mueller's dream team found no such actionable Trump-Russia collusion. Mueller himself ended up nearly humiliated, preposterously claiming under oath, no knowledge about the Steele dossier or Fusion GPS, the twin pillars of deceit that prompted his own investigation. But Hillary was undaunted. According to a recent affidavit filed by special counsel John Durham, Hillary Clinton, furthermore, had previously hired members of the Perkins Coie law firm to contract with tech experts to leverage their own existing access to the White House and Trump servers and tap into the top-secret communications data of candidate and then President Trump. Their apparent desperate purpose was to find any dirt that the failed Steele dossier had not discovered. As a result... Hillary's tech hirelings helped promulgate another collusion lie that Trump Tower computers were communicating back and forth with the Russian Alpha Bank. This additional Clinton investment in ruining Trump succeeded as planned in provoking media collusion hysteria that further paralyzed the Trump presidency. Nightly news still trafficked in the fake steel dossier and the Russian collusion hoax. The additional phony Alpha Bank smear was cited as further proof that Trump should be removed from office. Clinton's efforts created the general background landscape of hysteria and untruth that greenlighted the first Trump impeachment over a phone call to the president of Ukraine. Collusion, so-called collusion, helped prompt efforts to remove or discredit Donald Trump through possible invocation of the 25th Amendment. And such skullduggery mainlined the once unthinkable scenario of a military coup. In this Clinton-created climate of collective madness, retired generals referenced their commander-in-chief as Hitler and Mussolini-like. A former Obama Pentagon official even wrote out a scenario of a military coup removing him. Nonetheless, Trump completed a solid record of accomplishment of border security, energy production, full employment without inflation, deregulation, and a deterrent but not interventionist foreign policy. The chief criticism of his administration was that Trump believed 
the Washington establishment and media were out to get him. In furor, he railed nonstop that the left had conspired to monitor his communications and break the law to ruin him. Yet, that supposed paranoia is proving to be an unpleasant reality. By the way, has Leslie Stahl over 60 Minutes apologized to Trump yet? But but I digress. What would Trump's presidency have been like had opponents like Hillary Clinton kept to normal adversarial politics? What if they had avoided spinning conspiracies, often through violation of federal law? Could they have been content with just opposing him rather than seeking to destroy him? One of the reasons why American-Russian relations are poor, aside from Vladimir Putin's aggressive efforts to reclaim the borders of the old Soviet Union, was the nonstop and politicized demonization of Russia. Americans were repeatedly and falsely told that the Russians had tried to destroy the Hillary Clinton campaign to partner with a traitor, Trump, and betray the United States. That was a slanderous lie. Former CIA Director John Brennan fed such hysteria by libeling Trump as treasonous. Retired Director of National Intelligence James Clapper smeared Trump as a Russian asset. Will the nation ever demand an investigation to find out how and to what extent Hillary Clinton's subordinates and contractors infiltrated the private communications of the President of the United States? Will the people ever learn how such false information was seeded throughout the government and media in a conspiratorial effort to destroy a sitting president? Hillary Clinton by now is an old master of scandals. Her lifelong oeuvre is vast. The cattle futures scam, Rose Law Firm missing documents, Travelgate, Uranium One shenanigans, missing emails in the Steele dossier, but the ongoing effort of her paid associates to tap into the top-secret communications of a presidential candidate and further use such illicit information to ruin the American presidency will go down as her greatest masterpiece of deceit. The great Victor Davis Hanson over at amgreatness.com. Article entitled, Hillary Clinton's Greatest Masterpiece. And he always knocks it out of the park. Always knocks it out of the park. Somebody over on Twitter says, why are Neil Young and Joni Mitchell quietly back on Spotify? Is that the case? Seriously? Did did Neil and Joni Mitchell quietly get back onto Spotify? Let me do a little search. Let me do a little search. Let's see, Neil Young artist. Let's see what we have here. Um, well, I see him like in compilations and stuff. I don't see any of his actual albums. 
Let's see. This is Neil Young, The Essential Tracks. I guess I could click on that and see if uh, see if he's there. Yeah, most of it, most of what's on there is like versions of him live with other people. So I, I don't know that he's actually back on there. But the, uh, the the person also said, why is Joni Mitchell quietly back on Spotify? Let me check. Let me check. Because, you know, I don't like just throwing stuff out there and appealing to confirmation bias. If you're familiar with what that is. Let's see. Joni Mitchell. Yeah, I mean, it looks like, uh, yeah, it looks like some Joni Mitchell stuff is on Spotify. Confirmation bias is when you um, see something that that makes sense to you, something you agree with, and you don't take the time to check to see if it's actually true or not. So a few years ago, somebody, I'll give you an example. A few years ago, somebody went on, on Facebook and had a quote from Celine Dion, the famous singer who sold many millions of records, CDs, cassettes, whatever, over the years, saying uh, that she hated America and our flag was awful. And thousands of people on Facebook were responding, well, don't let the door hit you on the way back to Canada. Get out of here. We hate you too. So I actually looked around on the Internet, found out that it wasn't true. She'd never said anything like that. And I put a comment on the original Facebook post of the person who originally put the quote up there, slandering Celine Dion, because, again, the guy was making it up. She never said it. And immediately, my comment was marked as spam. In other words, I got a good thing going here, brother. Don't, 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 don't mess with this. So that's why when people post things on Facebook or Twitter or when I get a private message on Facebook, saying, hey, this is true, don't even bother, because we, we already looked into it, just pass this along to everybody. I just don't take it for granted that it's necessarily the case. You know. So anyway, that's just uh, that's just how I roll. So... Coming up, we got to talk about a new story. Sailor stopped with bomb-making materials in car, stopped at base near San Diego. Um, there's some very troubling details to this story. And I, uh, I want to share those with you in just a moment. But first of all, we are always so thankful for our advertisers, the folks who allow us to do what we do every day. I want to say a word for my friend Justin Minton, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton. 
Justin's a former insurance adjuster who left the insurance industry to become a private lawyer, founded the Minton Law Firm to help injured people fight against powerful insurance companies and corporations. He really helped me out when I was in two automobile accidents in 2019. He's now helping me out with the accident in which I was rear-ended at about 45 miles an hour. Thankfully, it was a small car. It was a Chevy Suburban. I probably wouldn't be here on December 17, 2021. I trust Justin Minton. He's taking good care of me. The Minton Law Firm has a great team of lawyers, including the 2016 Trial Lawyer of the Year and the 2016 Outstanding Young Lawyer of the Year. The insurance companies take Justin Minton and his team of lawyers seriously because they know they can and will take your case to trial if need be. So whether you want to go to trial or settle out of court, it's a really good idea to have a knowledgeable trial attorney on your side. Justin's team aims to bring justice to clients who have been injured and need somebody to stand up for them. No matter what the injury, Justin meant to make sure the Minton Law Firm always works hard for you. Whether you're in a car wreck, hurt of the job, or you are a loved one suffering from the carelessness of another, if you're in Arkansas, Justin Minton Law, M-I-N-T-O-N, Minton and Benton, is here to help you. Just call the Minton Law Firm, 501-943-4195, or visit justinmintonlaw.com today. All right, now, best-kept secret in American healthcare. And I feel like if I had not discovered this best-kept secret in American healthcare about 15 years ago, I'd probably be in a wheelchair by now because I was walking around with a, a dull, throbbing headache and neck ache all the time, and it had come on so gradually from the result of having been in some automobile accidents in the 70s, 80s, and 90s that I didn't even realize it, okay? So let me ask you something. Do you have migraines? Do you have neck pain? Do you have back pain? Do you have vertigo? Do you have problems with your blood sugar? Okay. Now look in the mirror. Does one eye look bigger than the other? Are your eyes off balance? Are your shoulders off balance? You realize that's not normal, right? But you're so used to it, you don't pay any attention to it, right? But I'm, I'm telling you, if your eyes are off balance, if one eye's bigger than the other, if your shoulders are off balance, you probably need to get your atlas adjusted. That's how I got rid of my migraines, my neck pain. Let me tell you how it works. Your skull weighs anywhere from 8 to 15 pounds. It rests on the top bone of your spinal column, the atlas, which only weighs 2 ounces. So, it's really easy for that atlas bone to get out of alignment. And if it does, your whole spinal column can get kinked up like a chain, restricting your central nervous system's ability to send impulses to the rest of your body. It can affect your respiratory system, reproductive system, circulatory system, even your digestive system. And yes, it can cause migraines and neck pain. Do yourself a favor. If you're in central Arkansas, call my friends at the Arkansas Upper Cervical Center, 501-279-2009 for a free consultation 
to see if you need to get your atlas adjusted. If you're outside central Arkansas, but this is resonating with you, you're thinking, I need to check into this, but I'm nowhere near central Arkansas. Just go to their website, turnmypoweron.com, click on the tab that says find a doctor near you. And I hope you can do that. All right, God bless them. We got a story here. Oh, my goodness, do we have a story. This is from Channel 7, NBC 7 in San Diego. Sailor stopped at NAS North Island, that's Naval Air Station North Island, on Coronado with bomb-making materials. Really? A sailor was stopped by Navy security at the main gate of NAS North Island in Coronado Tuesday morning with bomb-making materials in his pickup truck, according to a spokesperson at the base. Navy security forces stopped the sailor at the request of Naval Criminal Investigative Service, according to base spokesperson Kevin Dixon. The bomb-making materials were not assembled into an explosive device, according to the spokesperson, but investigators could be seen looking through a white pickup truck just outside the gate and collecting evidence from it. At one point, a robotic device was being used by investigators. Recipients were alerted shortly after 9 a.m. with the following advisory, quote, The main gate at NASN is closed until further notice. Use alternate routes to enter via the Ocean Gate or 01st Alameda from 9.30 a.m. One person told NBC7 San Diego that all non-essential personnel were told to leave the base. However, Dixon said the people near the main gate had been asked to leave the immediate area, not the base. The main gate at 3rd Street and 4th Street Gate reopened incoming and outgoing traffic at around 2.15 p.m., according to Navy spokesperson Brian O'Rourke. The sailor, this is the salient part here. The sailor is in NCIS custody, and the agency said it would not be immediately releasing details about him, the bomb-making materials he had, or the charges he is facing. Really? Now, it's been over 48 hours. So, I mean, why aren't you telling us who he is and what charges he's facing? I mean, inquiring minds want to know. That's number one. And number two, this delay kind of makes us uh, cynical and skeptical. You know what I'm saying? Cynical, uh, cynical and skeptical. 
Amém. We wonder. We wonder if um, perhaps the sailor trying to get on base of the bomb making material is perhaps of a kindred spirit with Nadal Malik Hassan, the Fort Hood shooter of 09. Know what I'm saying? To quote the great philosopher Robert Plant of Led Zeppelin, and it makes me wonder. Because otherwise, why y'all waiting 48 hours to, uh, to let us know? Know what I'm saying? Why y'all waiting 48 hours? Oh, uh, great comments here on the Podbean app. Doc, you've been endorsed by Reopen Arkansas, organization on Getter. A lot of people are using Getter as an alternative to Twitter. I share your show there every day and now share your campaign info as well. Thank you very much, and thank you to uh, Reopen uh, Reopen Arkansas for the endorsement. Uh, they announced that on uh, on Facebook also. Somebody else said the Chamber of Commerce is the enemy of the middle class. All too often, all too often, yeah, it's um, you know I've said on my uh, my campaign video. Walmart and the Chamber of Commerce have run the state of Arkansas for too long. Now, I have no problem with Walmart being financially successful. Knock yourself out. But y'all shouldn't tell our legislature, no, don't pass that bill, which has nothing to do with your financial success. It's just you guys are so liberal. That's all. You guys are so liberal, and we're tired of putting up with it. We're tired of putting up with it. So i got to share with you um, a clip from a, uh, a podcast over on Rumble. It's called Tommy's Podcast. I don't know who Tommy is, but he had Dr. Robert Malone, inventor of the mRNA vaccine technology, and Dr. Pierre Pierre Corey, ICU expert and leading force behind the uh, Frontline Doctors Alliance. And I would be remiss in my duty if I didn't share this with you. So let's turn it up. Here we go. Because here's, here's what I would say about media. And again, I'm not a media expert. I haven't followed, but my sense is that those people who are awakening are becoming, just like I said, they're now awake of the rot in the pharmaceutical industry. They're now understanding that they've been lied to repeatedly throughout wide swaths of media and social media and censored. And so those institutions in society, I think, are also 
going to be taken to task. How will they self-reform? I mean, they do follow the money, right? So if the eyeballs and, you know, and, and the viewers go elsewhere, there may be some impetus for self-reform and honesty and objectivity. Um, but I don't know. So the way I hear the story, um, uh, so we've got kind of two interlaced compartments that, of course, are also horizontally integrated with the with pharma. Right. That's exactly. Tech. Um, and uh, what uh, what I'm hearing is that there is a quid pro quo uh, relationship between big tech and government, the current administration, where wherein the Democrats are. Uh, holding back on legislation and regulatory action to break up the big tech conglomerates. And the quid pro quo is the big tech conglomerates are doing the bidding of uh, the current administration in by uh, controlling um, uh, information and, and messaging. Uh, so I don't have the sources you do, Robert, but I had a, I had a conversation with a longtime veteran White House official, and he basically said the same thing, that it's essentially, I mean, they're, they're basically part of the White House, not even a question, and the government. Yeah. There you go. There you go. But the question is, Is anybody going to do anything about it? That's the question. Is anybody going to do anything about it? And again, uh, that is why so many people are being primaried this year. Know what I'm saying? That's why so many people are being primaried this year. Now, I'm running for governor uh, of Arkansas. I'm running for the Republican nomination, governor of Arkansas. And I noticed a little news piece that came out yesterday. It says, Sarah Huckabee Sanders in polling is running... 10% ahead of other gubernatorial candidates. And I thought a couple of things. I'm like, why are they bothering saying something about this now? We're still a few months away from the primary, and we're way far away from the general election. So what? what's the deal, right? Well, then the other thing that I got to thinking about was, really, if she's only running 10% above Democrats, some of them, then she's not doing all that well. And again, look, you know, like I, as I've said before, but some people are probably hearing this for the first time. I never, 
had any intention of running for office. But then when Sarah went out on her Facebook page and endorsed Senator John Bozeman for re-election, endorsed U.S. Representative French Hill for re-election, got 99% negative responses out of hundreds of responses. Um, it wasn't too long after that my phone started ringing. And when someone tells you, look, we're about to lose our country, and you need to at least talk to your wife about this and pray about it, well, one thing led to another. One thing led to another. And I'm glad to be in the race. I'm more than happy to be in this race. Because I'm the only candidate running for governor of Arkansas who wants to give the power back to the people. That's it. That's it. I'm the only candidate running who is not going to do the bidding of Walmart, of the Chamber of Commerce, of the pharmaceutical companies. No, we're done. We're done. And I appreciate everybody who has been contributing and getting in touch with us. Elect Doc Washburn. Dot com is the website. And <laughs> I've been working with the bank for a week now, trying to get the donate button up there. Talked to him again this, this morning. And, um, hmm. I think let's let's check. Let me check. I think they may have just emailed me a way to do it. Aha. Well, in that case, <laughs> you've been listening to the 90th episode of the all new Doc Washburn show. The views and opinions expressed on the Doc Washington Show do not necessarily reflect those of our advertisers. Today's program has been produced by Tim Terrible, directed by Mick Messy. This has been a terribly messy production. Portions of today's show will be taken overseas and dropped. If you'd like a transcript of today's episode of the all-new Doc Washington Show, simply peel the roof off a Rolls-Royce panel truck and send it to Mansour's Computer Solutions, 7th floor of the Ephemeral B. Smoot Building, Whitehall, Arkansas, in care of Sheriff Mansur Sempier X. That's the way it is. Thursday, February 17th, 2022.